In 1998, a 33-year-old lawyer named Ron Eckert decided he was going to take a walk one day and left with his dog after saying goodbye to his wife. He walked out into a wooded area of Connecticut and he never came back. Ron was killed by a bullet shot by a hunter. It was a tragic accident and one that his wife, Anna, somehow had to come back from. Today we talked to her, she shares her story with us, and we learned the remarkable way she rebounded from this tragedy and turned it into something amazing. Today on the Boston Podcast. This one's for you, Boston. Boston's a different city than it was 20 years ago. The hope rises again, and the dream lives on. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. The world will return to this great American city to run harder than ever and to cheer even louder. This is our f***ing city. It's, uh, it is our city. It is our guest, Anna Byrne, who just interrupted my introduction on the show. Nice going, Anna. You just got here. Um, and to answer your question, yes, I have a cheat sheet on you. Many secrets here. But before we get there, Anna, if you don't mind, if yes. I open the show, thank you. This is David Yaz from Morgan Stanley, and welcome to the Boston Podcast. Renamed, rebranded. I mean, it's exciting, isn't it, guys? Right? <laughs> Hold on, wait. <laughs> Redo. I said, it's exciting, guys, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. Thank you. So, we used to be Unbillable Boston, and now we are the Boston Podcast. And Max Perlman from Hirsch Roberts, tell us why, since it was your dumb idea to call us Unbillable Boston in the first place. <laughs> I was wondering if you remembered that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think we can appeal to a broader audience, and, and uh, I think un- Unbillable might uh, speak more to lawyers, but we're looking to to rope in uh, listeners from all parts of the business, media, politics, all, all sorts of communities. As we've done. Yeah. So it's it's more like it's been sort of a, uh, a misnomer almost. Would you agree, Sarah Worley, from from Worley Contract... <laughs> oh. From Worley Conflict Resolution. Would you agree? Well, David, I think our millions of listeners would agree mm-hmm. that... This podcast is relevant to everybody across the board. That's right. Cross-section of Boston. And as, in, as ingenious as Unbillable Boston was, uh, I think our, our new branding will work better. So it was almost see. too clever. Just Like it insisted upon itself. It was it was ahead of its time. I don't know what people weren't right. ready. It is people weren't ready for it. Yeah. Fortunately, we live in the present. Anyway, and as usual, we have a terrific guest, and her name is Anna Byrne. Uh, Anna Eckert Byrne, to be precise, which is relevant to her story in the name of her firm, right, Anna? Yes, which it we'll, is. We'll get to that. Yes. But so Anna's a friend of all of us, and we met her through networky circles. She's a trust and estates lawyer. Uh, most recent matter of note for Anna was she was named one of the top women of law in Massachusetts in 2014 by Massachusetts Lawyers Weekly. Thank you. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Let's give it up. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, shakalaka. Can I just say, too, <laughs> yes. I was at the ceremony where Anna was honored. Right. The ballroom went wild Did when it her name was <laughs> mentioned. Great. Yep. That's great. Um, and so Eckert Byrne is your firm, correct? Yes. Anna. Now, she's been a lawyer since 1994. Yes. Oh, my God. 
you passed the bar when you were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. You said. I did, I did. Your, uh, your background's interesting. You also, you, you used to do what I do, essentially, right? You had you had um, an RIA, yes. uh, your own investment shop. Yes. I noticed you don't do that anymore. I don't. <laughs> I'm leaving it all to you, Dave. Well, um, someday I may leave it to somebody else because it's a tough business, <laughs> although is. very enjoyable, but tough business. Yep. So, um, and I think of you as the quintessential uh, classy uh, boutique law firm, estate planning lawyer. You're very well respected I can tell you um, and we we do this uh, cultish everybody in this room does this cultish networking group called the uh, New England 500 free plug for New England 500 USA 500 clubs.com and um, but um, the three of us are in one group you're in a different group and where we we had eyes on you at one point I don't know if you knew that no yeah we did that's nice to know but you were already um, <laughs> ingrained in a different group but um, I've yet to meet anybody in New England 500 who does not number one know Anna and yeah. number two think the world of her so uh, wow so, well, that's yeah. wonderful to hear that's true and we it, it, we do say that to everyone but <laughs> in this case we happen to mean it well and also in the spirit of full disclosure to our millions of listeners mm-hmm. Anna is my attorney all right wow so she represents my husband and me in all of our estate planning matters um that's excellent, and I was looking for the cha-ching sound effect, and I couldn't <laughs> find it. See, that's not it at all. Totally inappropriate. Welcome to Inappropriate Sound Effect Theater. So, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the show, and when I say that uh, about your reputation, it, it's genuine. I mean, I, I, the people that are um, in-law and not-in-law, people that are in small firms and big firms, they say you're a class act. Do you, um, how do you do that? How do you, how do you um, get your name out there with such an awesome reputation? Well, you know, why are you so awesome? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, that may take the entire hour. Well, we got time. <laughs> no, um, I think that you know what I do now and my firm Eckert Burn is is something that has evolved out of my professional and personal experience. That it really comes from my heart in many ways in what I do. Um, beginning with the name of the firm, you know, I was widowed when I was twenty eight. And my husband, Ron, was 33 when he died, very suddenly. And it took me 10 years from that point to arrive at a place where I felt like I could somehow take my tax background and my financial background and marry it in a practice that was going to help people and also, you know, make something out of that horrible experience that I had, right? I realized that there was... You know, it was an incredible tragedy. And, you know, there was something that I had read or heard where it was it was something along the lines of you can't move forward unless you find some good in the really bad thing that happened to you. And I'll never remember when I had this epiphany where I was driving on the Mass Pike and, like, the ray of sunshine kind of came into the car in just the right angle. And it occurred to me that what I received in this tragedy was wisdom. Mm. It was the wisdom of the fact that, you know, this death awaits us all. It awaits all the people that are around us. But I was really um, taken care of by my husband in the sense that he he surrounded me by family that really loved me. Mm -hmm. He had the foresight to create a plan and to get life insurance and to do certain things that helped me. And because of that love and because of what he did, I was able to, you know, create a new life. 
you know, and I find that, you know, when something unexpected happens, especially when there's a death, it's such a foreign concept to people where nothing in our lives is so finite Mm -hmm. as the death of someone that we love. And people are ill-equipped emotionally. They're usually ill-equipped in terms of, you know, how they've thought through what this is going to look like for their loved ones. That when I started the firm, I thought, well, you know, I've done the tax law work. I've seen how lawyers do it. And I thought, well, there's got to be a better way. And so my idea was that I was going to marry that whole advisory model, right, where you really are a true advisor and a counselor to your clients and counsel them through the emotional, the family, the asset piece, and really have meaningful conversations around, you know, what their plan is going to look like and and plan for that. You know, plan for not just the taxes, not just the money, it's, you know, who they want to take care of and how they want to take care of their loved ones. So congratulations, you're the first person to ever have an epiphany on the Mass Pike. And, and what I'm picturing is, like, if it's the Anna Burns story, she's driving and the sun shines through and she's sitting there in traffic in the car and she looks up at the light and she has this divine moment. And then a moment later, the car behind her rear ends her and Anna sticks her finger out the, the uh, window and says, screw you! Um, and then she goes, goes to Sbarro's for a slice. You know, so. Right. That's so, not exactly how it happened. No, but okay, I'm sure, you no, can no, <laughs> I, I, I kid, but I, that's uh, it's great. And so, the, so the it's a tri- the name of the firm is a, is a in part a tribute to yes. your departed husband, your yes. first husband. Yes. Um, you're remarried now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, so that was really something that I was really consciously aware of in thinking of the name of the firm. It was really, if it hadn't been for Ron. I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, you know, and he was an attorney and I just felt like I wanted to pay tribute to him and also, you know, the fact that I am now in a way a survivor and someone who's happy and married and has a child Um, and I feel like that was something that um, I wanted to give people who were going through that transition the hope that there is summer outside again, you know, after a long winter of darkness, um, that there is, that there is hope that, you know, you can be happy again. So I think I would only ask you this because I know I've I've heard you talk about it before and please, um, go into whatever level of detail you want, but, but tell us what happened to your husband. So he came from a wonderful family in Connecticut And it was the family tradition that everybody would go down on a fall weekend for a Sunday for an Aunt Helen cleanup day or a grandparents cleanup day. The family, it was kind of like a family compound. Aunt Helen lived down the hill and uh, my my in-laws had built an in-law suite for grandparents had moved up from Florida. And it was the day where everybody got together and helped clean up, do yard work, clean up dust, you know, all of that. And so we were, we head down, we went down to Connecticut for that weekend and we decided to drive up on a Saturday night. And so we spent the night and then the next morning Ron got up and uh, decided to take our dog for a walk. Um, And this was private property on a Sunday morning. And um, he asked me if I wanted to come with him and I said, you know, no, I've had a long week. I just want to sleep in a little bit. And so he left, and he took the dog for a walk. And a little while later, I got up, and 
I thought, you know, it's kind of taking a little while. And so I went outside and I saw my sister-in-law, Renee, kind of come up the stairs and so excited to see her big brother. And just as we were talking, there was a helicopter that flew above and I, it was a, you know, a unique thing because this is rural Connecticut near stores, um, near Yukon. And I said, you know what, Renee, what is that helicopter? And where would it land? And she said, well, that's the Lifestar helicopter. And I said, okay, well, where would it land? And she said, well, it, it would land by the high school. I said, so let's get in the car and let's go. And so we went to the high school. And Did you, you had a feeling? I just had a feeling. You know, Ron was really someone that I was incredibly connected to and very much in love with. And so we drove up to the high school. We got to the parking lot, and there's a police car with my dog in it. Um, and I approached the officer, and I said, where's my husband, and where is he? When can I see him? And she just looked at me completely shocked that, you know, I was there because it was morning and he didn't have an ID. And she said, I'm so sorry, and there's nothing we could do. So it turned out that there was a guy who bought a shotgun the night before, he was 21, and decided to go hunting without a license on a Sunday morning on private property. And uh, he shot him and left him there. And to make things even more tragic, and this guy is serving a 35-year term, there's a whole criminal trial that followed, um, but he basically left him there and then came back on two subsequent occasions without uh, calling for aid, uh, rendering aid, nothing. Oh, and uh, Why do you think he came back? He well, he came back with his wife, who was a nurse's assistant, and then he came back with his parents, and then according to the police report, um, you know, they, when he came back the second time, they gave him a Valium to calm down, and then they called the police. But that was what the nurse decided to do for a gunshot wound. Yeah. And oh. so basically, you know, it took me many, 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 a long time <laughs> mm -hmm. to, uh, to get over the fact that, you know, he could have just bled to death. Was it a, a stray bullet situation, or or, what, or who knows? That we don't know. You know, according to the police report, you know, he thought he saw a deer. Ron was six foot four with a dog, you know, right beside him, a yellow lab. Which, mm -hmm. and then um, so maybe it was a stray, but I think he shot him and just got scared, you know. But I think certainly that, by accident, though. But I mean, he didn't know your husband or anything. But did you go to the trial? Oh yeah. Yeah. How was that experience? It was, you know, I think as far as trials like this can go, I think we were very blessed because it was um, the defendant waived jury trials. So it was a bench trial. Mm. And we had a fantastic prosecutor who has since become a judge. Um, it took four, four days. Um, I knew you were going to ask me, and I don't remember <laughs> her name. Um, okay. But she was a fantastic um fantastic attorney and did a great job and it was done in four days what county was that in <sighs> what town were you in we were physically? in Tolland, connecticut oh okay i'm sorry i forgot it's connecticut we wouldn't yeah. know that we wouldn't know the judge yeah. and was he convicted of second degree murder manslaughter first degree manslaughter first degree manslaughter yeah and um in this room we're all lawyers yep and we all know hundreds of trust and estates attorneys you're just different from everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and, and I mean that with love because you're my attorney. <laughs> we brought you here to tell you this. This is yeah. an intervention. Oh, that's so but it, but but I'm going to cry. <laughs> Please don't. But, I mean, I have to assume that your life experiences have molded the way you look at your clients, the way you, the way you look at me as your client. But you, the way you see things is just different than the way other people do. And I know you know that, but can you talk about that? How this has has molded who you are and how you approach your practice? Yeah, I think that, you know, nothing really ever, never, nothing ever prepared me for what I really think is like this extreme loss of innocence, right? It's like you lose your spouse and you lose your spouse in such a way that is so full of, like evil like I mean there's really no other way to describe it right like to leave someone like you wouldn't leave an animal but yet you leave a person to basically bleed to death you know it kind of just I think that the blessing that I had is that I have always been surrounded by a very loving family and a loving in-laws and friends who have always supported me so I never got to the point where a lot of people get to, which is being really filled with anger. And somehow I think that kind of experience where you know you have nothing to lose, that you kind of take away the, um, the, the kind of the box that people put you in, that this is what a trust and estate attorney says, this is what a trust and estate's attorney does, this is how you do documents, this is how you do things, this is how you, you know, go through an interview with a client. And I just, I think that experience has freed me up to basically develop my own process. And when I meet with clients, I feel like I am in a very privileged position to be with them, for them to be sharing such important details of their lives and decisions with me. And I'm talking to them as, you know, a partner, not you know, looking down at them and being an advisor that this is how you do things. It's really a partnership. And I think that that changes the dynamics. Absolutely. So. Um, let's, um, this is fantastic, by the way. Thank you for being here. And um, we're just very impressed with you. Are you guys impressed? <laughs> just sitting here just feeling impressed is the only word I can think of. But, um, <laughs> right, but... Um, when we return on the Boston podcast, we'll continue to talk to Anna Byrne. More cool stuff coming up. We'll talk about what's going on in her practice. Tell us some more good stories. You got a few more right in. Well, if you don't, we'll make some up. <laughs> Stay with us on the Boston podcast. Hey, this is Chuck Hogan. I'm the author of The Town, and you're listening to the Boston podcast. And welcome back to the Boston Podcast. By the way, the first person who mistakenly calls it Unbillable Boston, our old name, should there be a like a jar that you have to contribute to or something like that? Five, what do yeah. you think? Ten, ten bucks. Kangaroo yeah. Court, yeah. right? Goes towards the, um, the, the cocktail budget. Um, we record this on Friday afternoon, so sometimes we like to have a glass of wine or several quarts of whiskey, which are on the table right now. This is a podcast, so you don't know whether I'm kidding or not. All right? You're not. <laughs> you, 
both of my co-hosts are looking at their smartphones right now. <laughs> you are you, you both owe five dollars to the kangaroo court. Both of you. Come on, take it out. But this is what producers do. Pro- who's the producer? Me. <laughs> oh, really? Tell me what you have produced for the show. Actually, I take that back because you booked the uh, guest who was uh, with us today. I've produced one of the most fabulous guests we've ever had in a burn. <laughs> Technically, her parents produced her, but you brought her to the studio I've, today. Air quotes. Okay, produce. listen. You, you, you're stepping on my segue because what I was saying was you have produced something. Our guest today, who was Anna Byrne, who has been sharing her story with us. And um, on the other side, you heard her story of, uh, you know, the tragedy with her husband and how, I mean, I think it's, it's a lot of people do this, Anna, they, they take something um, negative in their life and turn it into a positive. Yes. And so, but, it, and it's even more interesting to me when there's a, a theme, I mean, right, I mean, you could have, um, you know, taken the tragedy of your husband and started, you know, a, you know, a bakery or something and yes. just, it, you know, but it was, um, he was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you have a law firm. Were you a lawyer at the time? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he had planned your life to date, right? You, you were saying he had taken care of a lot of the... Well, you know, I think that, you know, the, the crazy amazing thing about, you know, what I think he did for me was not so much about the documents, right? Yeah. It was, it was as crazy as, you know, the week before he died, he actually, he looked at me and he said, you know, if something were to happen to you, I would remarry and I wouldn't wait long. Wow. And I looked at him, I said, are you completely crazy? Like, <laughs> nothing's happening to me. And a week later. Say, honey, you say the sweetest thing. And so a week later was Halloween and, um, or like it was Halloween time and we lived in Hingham at the time. And he said, you know, let's go on the tour. You know, let's go on the cemetery tour. I was like, no. And yeah, so we went on the cemetery I've tour. I've never done that. And he's is like, uh, well, it was, it, it's interesting because the Hingham Cemetery is very old. And they have a Victorian hearse that's pulled by horses. And mm-hmm. it's very, like, it's very interesting. And it's different. Right, so it's very and there's a lot of so kind of cool fun. people. Uh, for me, no, but for him it was <laughs> a lot of fun. And so he sat, kind of looking over the cemetery, and he says, "You know, if I if something happens to me, I definitely would want you to have a party, and this is the kind of music that I would want. Wow. And you know, I want the Victorian hearse, and I'm like, you wouldn't fit. You're six foot four, and you know, the hearse was like for five foot seven person kind of thing, and." So this is what he gave me. And so what drove me forward was the fact that, oh, and the other thing, this is really, really important. And I think this is what I try and um, counsel my clients on, is it's not so much the assets, it's what you say and how you, how you empower the people that you love, the values that you impart to them that makes a world of difference. So he had this aunt, Aunt Helen, who lived next door. And she passed away suddenly, and his parents were in Florida. And Ron, you know, being the oldest child, you know, he was asked to eulogize Aunt Helen. And he said, no. And, you know, the family was just like, wow, why not? And they said, Anna, you, t- you go talk to him and find out, you know, make sh- see, see if he would relent and just do it. So I talked to him, and he said, you know what? I can't because I did not respect her because when Uncle Grant died, she stopped living. Wow. So those were my that. marching orders, yeah. right? I wow. can't fold. Right. I can't just, you know, fall into a heap, which I, you know, was 
in that heap of tears for a year where I just cried nonstop. Um, but that was not what was driving me. It was, it was the love and respect that I had for him and the love and respect that I wanted him to continue to have for me so that I, I couldn't just fall apart. I had to move forward and I had to do something. Would you agree with me that some people do that and do that very well? I, I'm friendly with the family, um, uh, Janet and John Schwartz, and their uh, little son, Todd, was my camper at summer camp. I, I had him in um, bunk one, and he was the cutest little thing in the world. And um, so I was at camp a couple of years and he was there. And then I actually grew up and got a real job eventually. Um, and then years later, I heard that he had passed away um, from leukemia and he was 19 at the time. And um, so a bunch of the old camp guys got together. We put together a softball tournament, which remains to this day. I think it's in its 10th or 11th year or something like that for uh, Dana-Farber, which is, which is which is great, but it's everything from Janet, the mom's um, like you know Facebook page and whatever you see her write or, or talk about. There's always something about Todd, and for a few years afterwards, I was kind of like, well, maybe she sort of needs to move on. But little did I realize, she didn't want to move on. That was keeping her happy. She was spinning it in a positive way, like right. like keep like. Um, do you think some people? This is the longest winded question ever. It's terrible, um, <laughs> but but. Um, I think a lot of people do that, but then sadly, I think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people do carry it around. Yeah, they do. Would you agree? And I think that's that's what I try and impart into my planning process. That you know what, you have to talk about these things, and you have to prepare yourself for the fact that I mean, no one. We're all terminal, mm -hmm. right? We're, we're all we're all kind of on the way out. It's the it's <laughs> and when, we don't know yeah. when. Right, and I, and I use this line all the time. I always say to my clients, look, you know what? If this is not the right time, that's fine. Just, you know, call me about six months before your day comes, <laughs> before you know when that day is, and that's gonna be plenty of time <laughs> for us to like map everything out and we'll do a really nice job for you. So just, you know, but you don't know, right? That's, it's that's, like the, that's the when thing. an athlete gets know. hurt, they say, what's his status? Oh, well, he's day to day, and the question, should always come back. Yeah. Aren't we all really just right. day to day? But you know, the, the 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 part of my practice that we have kind of two parts of our practice. We do the planning, which is the majority of our focus, but we also do administration. So that involves probate and trust administration where we're typically working with widows who have somehow lost their spouse, whether it's a sudden death or whether it's a prolonged illness. And I I feel like there's a very kind of common element to that experience. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how old. Certainly there are issues if you have a young family where you have young children. I mean, the widows are grieving not just for themselves, but also for their children. So that creates a whole different element of what the process is going to be for them. But for everybody, it seems like it's at least a three to five year process where you have to kind of get through that process. And then I see as, as my clients kind of awaken to this reality of that they are themselves, you know, they are them, you know, because the hardest thing about losing a spouse is that you become one out of two. So you go to restaurants and it's, you know, you're sitting on 
you know, at a table with two chairs and now that one chair is empty. Yeah. And it kind of hits you all the time that you are without that other person, that other half. And so it takes a while to kind of work through all of those different situations that are triggers for you that, you know, force you to kind of see the fact that you've lost, you know, yeah. the person that you love. It's a, there are constant reminders, it's right? A, yeah. And this is, this is not the same thing at all, but I have a, a friend, a woman who's divorced, and she told me one day she said she went into a restaurant with her two kids. And they went in and, you know, got ready to sit down. And the waitress was like, oh, hi. Where, well, where's daddy? Is he on the way or what? Right. And she was like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. <laughs> especially like in this day yeah. and age with, the, with all yeah. the, you know, alternatives to traditional yeah. families. And, you know, that grief is just so powerful. It's an emotion that until you experience it, you really have no idea how dark it is, how debilitating it is that you know that's why I really you know I'm such a huge proponent of getting a plan in place you know if you're alive if you've got people that you love and if you've got kids you have to do this because if you don't do here's this here's the plug guys you knew it was coming if you don't do <laughs> this Byrne. whether it's Com. me or anyone else do it because if you don't your legacy is going to be the mess I tell and it's the yeah. grief and the mess yeah, I tell everybody that um, ad nauseum. And I'm shocked at how many professionals don't have wills. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. I mean, if nothing else, don't you imagine, especially if you have kids. I mean, I mean, if you don't have kids, I suppose, fine. But, I mean, uh, j- look, just, just, just if nothing else, right. a plan. Where's the kid going to go after you're dead? Right. Huh? I mean, I always say, look, if you have no one you love... <laughs> <laughs> you know, then you don't need a plan. Why did you look at Max? Why did you look at Max? Well, can I can I please make a plug for Anna Byrne? Yes. Because as I've mentioned seventeen hundred times, you're not she's just actually a friend, you're a my attorney. Yep. Um, so I'm married to a non-lawyer, believe it or not, and Anna produced a set of documents for us that required some work on our part, and they weren't scary. And as soon as I approach my non-lawyer husband and say, I have some documents from our trust and estate's attorney, mm-hmm. you know, the blood runs out of his face, he wants to run away. He doesn't and like thinking about death and all this. He doesn't like thinking about death, but he also doesn't like um, oh, forms in- and- intimidating documents oh, yeah. that are purposely prepared so that no one can understand them. Right. And Anna... That's what lawyers do. Anna does in writing what she does in person, which is make things approachable, understandable, and somehow comfortable. And that is a skill, my friend. Uh, no, so you, well, obviously, Sarah being an example, you, you don't just, to clarify, you don't just deal with people who have been through a major transition no. or tragedy and everything. No. You, you, I, families. You, yeah. Or, or, or Majority of the time we're working with families, with individuals who, you know, have people that they love and want to take care of them and put things in place that are, you know, because the thing is, it's not just about the documents, right? Like, most people just get a stack of documents, and it's the documents. Mm. But the thing is, you have to understand the documents. You have to be committed to the fact that you're creating a plan that says a certain thing, and you have to understand what that says. And then the second piece is that you actually have to take the assets that you own and figure out how that all ties together with the documents. And that's comprehensive, right? And then add the value piece and the talking around the difficult conversations around, you know, the values that you want to, you know, kind of pass forward or move move to the next generation or to impart to your spouse. Like that takes time and it's a process. And that's what we do. 
We don't just generate documents. We have these conversations that get to the core of what's important for people. And at the at the end of the day, it's making sure that the people they love are protected and that they are not left with a mess in addition to the grief that they will feel when you leave. So it's my famous babysitter story. Sorry. So one more. <laughs> one more. So think about... And I love this story because this is so, so true, right? Every, every parent, um, when, the, when they leave their baby with the babysitter for the first time, they make this list of, here, this is where I'm going to be. This is the restaurant. This is my phone number. This is my spouse's phone number. This is when we're probably going to leave the restaurant to go to the next place, right? And then if we can't be reached, this is grandma and grandpa, and on and on. And so until they inevitably miss the movie because they've been going down the right, list for the whole time. Right. So <laughs> think about that in the context of what if you're never coming back? What is the babysitter list then? Right? I mean that's, that's so right. that's much more yeah. that's so much more important than, you know, that one time. It's this is forever. This is like this is the only shot you get to impart what is important to you for your children. Yeah, so you tell people just round up all the babysitter lists from the past five years, <laughs> yes, and we've got the <laughs> makings of a... Uh, so, listen, you, if you're not convinced by now, you haven't been listening, folks. And um, But for but for real, we all already vouch for <coughs> how great Anna is and what she does. And um, by the way, I mean, you're, you're, you're the, for all the professionals listening, you know, you're... Um, it's you and how many other lawyers do you work with? Just, just one. one just more. Kristen? Yep, yeah, just Kristen. And um, so, you're, without putting too fine a point on it, your your fees are going to be reasonable compared to someone who goes mm-hmm. downtown. And, and and for most people, um, most people, estate plans are are relatively simple things. And they're, and they're, and it's the ultimate insurance policy. So do it, people. And yes. call it. So it's Eckert Eckertburn dot com. Now that's E C K E R T B Y R N E. Uh, both names, not typical spelling. So listen again, E C T E R T B Y R N E dot com. Eckert Byrne, Anna, thank you uh, for joining us. By the way, well, uh, we're located in what, Cambridge, Massachusetts. In Cambridge, Mass. Right. <laughs> okay, quick question, Dave. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Who gets the Boston podcast if something happens to you? Oh my oh, God! Oh, the asset oh. conversation. Oh, Anna, the we got to talk. Yes. Sorry, yeah. I think that's me. Anna, we got to talk because yeah. now all of a sudden I think I'm producer. worried about that. Video the assistant producer. <laughs> By the way, we'll have to resolve this later. Okay. How many languages do you speak, Anna? Uh, fluently two. Do you, and you speak Polish? Yes. So my son Adrian always asks me for some reason, how do you say good night in Polish? And I always oh. say the same thing. I say good night ski. No. Well, no. so tell me, how do you say good night? Dobranos. Say it again. Dobranos. Dobranos. Okay, Adrian. Dobranos. Dobranos, Adrian. Dobranos, Adrian. Thank you. Anna. Thank you so much for joining us. We had a blast with you, and, and um, for real, thank you for your courage in telling us that story because it was it was terrific. Join us next time on the Boston Podcast and visit us at theBostonPodcast.com. See ya. <laughs>